Wait, that's a thing? Never heard of it. Oh, you have no idea. This is Haven Space, a safe place for fantasies. Brought to you by sex coach and researcher Sarah Perry. Hi folks, this is Sarah Perry and welcome back to Haven Space. Today we are going to be talking about something pretty simple, toy play. But as I sat down to do a little bit more research about what kinds of toys there are, what they're made out of, and how to use them and take care of them properly, and looked a little bit more into the history of toys, I'm realizing that it's actually a super loaded subject. And I don't know if this has the potential to be a much longer podcast than my podcasts typically are, but certainly there is more to talk about here. And at some other point, we should explore it further. By the end of this podcast, you should know what toys are, a little bit of history about them, the different types available to you, where to find them, how to use them and care for them, how to go about making toy play happen for yourself and the people in your life with all of the consent, respect, and pleasure that our bodies are worthy of. So it's estimated that about 52% of women say that they have actually used sex toys. And over 30% of men say they have also used sex toys. Of course, we don't know who is using what on themselves and on other people, so let's not jump to assumptions. And we also don't know who's doing the research that says um, that people are women or men or how they're designating those things. But typically in polls, it's pretty simple. You just allow people to self-define, which is exactly what we should be doing anyways. But where does this culture of sex toys actually come from? Well, we actually have devices that can be kind of assumed to have been sex toys for a very, very long time. In fact, in fact, there are myths about Cleopatra herself. Um, we're talking like 60 to 30 years before Christ, before Common Era, um, that say that she actually kept a gourd filled with bees to masturbate with. But a historian named Helen King has actually pretty publicly um, talked about the fact that this is not only difficult to prove, but definitely a myth. She is quoted on helloclue.com in their article on sex toys, which I highly recommend that you check out if you're interested in this cool um, sex toy history. Um, but really, most of the current record that we have on sex toys talks about um, electric vibrators being invented in 1883 by Joseph Mortimer Granville. Uh, he was an English physician and he made an electric vibrator, but really like we already had vibrating machines. They were just um, kind of steam powered. There was one by Dr. George Taylor earlier that was called the manipulator, which is a table massager that was being used in the US and in France at the time. But um, this um, Granville vibrator was the first official uh, plug-in electrical vibrator. In fact, um, it was the fifth home appliance that was electrical to be made. So definitely there was some need in the market for this. There is kind of um, a rhetoric surrounding vibrators specifically that says that they were invented as uh, medical devices to treat hysteria. But the whole concept of hysteria is like the late 1800s to like the early 1920s. So the vibrator doesn't really coincide with the dates that this was being done. I mean, typically a disease would be 
um, like classified as a disease. And then for the next few decades, we try to work on a solution. This is not like women are hysterical. I got this thing that vibrates. Let's definitely uh, put this to use for that, right? It, it just wouldn't have lined up. But it was used as other medical devices. Um, it was sold as something that could like make you lose weight, something that could treat erectile dysfunction. So remember in the 1900s, male sexuality was considered very important. Um, with the beginning of Freud, the idea that women's sexuality was secondary or not as important became pretty common. And most marketing was actually geared towards men's orgasms and erectile dysfunction. So no Viagra at this time, but vibrator seemed to help. In um, By the 1900s, though, the medical um, kind of importance of vibrators became disputed and people didn't really know what they were going to do. So these companies that had these electric devices decided that they would sell them with very suggestive language and magazines because uh, they couldn't use explicit language. They couldn't be sold as masturbation toys because, of course, of the 1873 Comstock Act on um, lewdness, which said that you couldn't have things advertised for sexuality, that that was lewd behavior. And, of course, you can definitely couldn't show images that would any way kind of imply that. Um, and so this started to take over, and people were kind of feeling great about their little devices. And then by the 1950s, the FDA actually blocked all advertising for vibrators. This is not what you would have thought, uh, but the FDA said it was being advertised to treat all kinds of stuff. There was a quote in a magazine that said um, that it was something that would make you um, not have to work out anymore and that your skin would get better and clear up. So yes, of course the FDA had to be like, uh-uh, we're not doing this anymore. So by 1983, the sex toy company Vibratex actually started doing the first ever dual sex toy. So on the inside and on the outside, and we're talking like um, the ones that now have two different motors, but one motor for the clitoris and one internal. But they were based in China and to get around China's obscenity laws, they actually had to make little animals um, and make their vibrators look cute. And of course, the one that became the most famous is the infamous rabbit vibrator that you can still find. In fact, if you look up rabbit vibrator, you'll get all kinds of vibrators that have the stimulating prongs on the front and um, some type of like insertable phallus in the middle and it's meant to be like internal and external even if it doesn't look like a rabbit anymore that's the term that you can search with and um, of course currently there's a ton of ridiculous laws as um, early as 1998 Alabama legislators passed a law forbidding the sale of any device designed or marketed um, as useful primarily for the stimulation of human genital organs, quote, um, with the penalty being $10,000 and at least one year in jail. Uh, two women have been arrested on this, which is really fucking ridiculous. And of course, the Texas anti-vibrator law from 1973, which is still in effect because we don't have the time to go back and dispute a bunch of ridiculous laws and clean up our act. But a judge in 2008 actually said it's not only unconstitutional, but it's unenforceable. Other places outside of the U.S. still have 
either strange laws prohibiting vibrators or their legality is kind of super unclear. And those include like the Maldives, uh, United Emirates, Saudi Arabia, Thailand, Malaysia, India, Vietnam, potentially. And of course, just because there's some ridiculous law like the 1973 law here in Texas, it doesn't mean that... um, people aren't using them. We have all kinds of antiquated laws in the books and just because they're there doesn't mean that they're actually um, trying to get people on those laws and on those charges. So what kind of sex toys are there? Well, there's many different ways that we could do this. Um, When I was reading online about different kinds of vibrators, people were classifying them by function, by area, by materials that they're made out of, and by ultimate goal, like why you're actually using it, why you need it, and what type of stimulation you want. I like the idea of classifying them by kind of their qualities. So that's what I have done. And I didn't find this online. So look at us being way original and fantastic. Um, So I'm going to talk about all these different kind of qualities that different toys have. Some toys may fit into more than one of these categories. And some of these you might not consider um, sex toy categories. But remember, sex tech is inclusive sex. Sex tech is accessibility for people with disabled bodies. And even for people who are temporarily disabled, sex tech is important and it is valuable and it should 100% be studied and researched and funded. So please, if you find a brand of toys that you love, support them because they need your support. Although I'm pretty sure with COVID and the quarantine, everyone's probably doing pretty well right now. So let's get started on these types, right? Let's start with suction. I chose to do suction as a basic category because a lot of toys involve certain kinds of suction. One of them is pumps, manual pumps or electric pumps. You can literally put over your genitalia. You can put your penis inside of these types of pumps and pump it with your hand and it would increase the blood flow. Well, obviously this is super valuable for a lot of people because you're directly drawing the blood flow that you want to the area that you want to focus on. There's actually fetishes about these kind of suctioned, pumped um, pussies and dicks and balls because people like what it looks like, but also because the sensation of having swelling, all of the blood and fluid rushing to one area can be really, really fantastic. In fact, very plump um, labia can create a lot more sensations around any kind of phallus, like a dick or a toy that you're using as a prosthetic dick. Um, It can bring about a different sensation than what regular labia would be like if not suctioned. Other um, Other types of pumps and suction toys could include things like electrical strokers, like literally a device that you can put um, your dick inside of that would do a suction, a motion. Sometimes they have grooving inside of them to kind of replicate what a pussy would be like. Remember that 
electrical strokers, um, make sure you're buying something from a reputable brand that's a quality thing. You're literally shoving your dick into a tube that's going to wrap itself tightly around it electrically. So, you know, uh, invest in the one that's not going to short circuit on you. Um, And also keep in mind that you want the kind that you can take apart so you can literally clean it out because you will for sure need to do that, especially because you will be using great amounts of lube the right kind of lube, which we will get to later, and really enjoying yourself. Yep, probably to orgasm. Um, We also have other kind of suction toys, like the ones that are clitoral. This is kind of a brand new scope for me, but there are toys that you place around your clitoris and provide small sucking motions, and it's not, it's similar to a vibrator in that it creates like a friction on the clitoris, but it's different because that friction isn't on the skin. For people that have very, very sensitive clitorises, this could be an amazing way to masturbate to orgasm, but it could also be a really great way to kind of prepare yourself for sex if you're trying to get more worked up and trying to get some of that blood flowing already and get the clitoris nice and erect and hard. My next category is going to be weighted toys. So weighted toys are toys that are inserted into your body that have uh, a weight to them. And sometimes people like to wear them around during the day. And sometimes people like to wear them for a small amount of time while at home and in private. Uh, I would say maybe like the most famous of this kind is something like Benoit balls that are sold as um, Kegel exercises. Basically these weighted balls that you would slide into your vagina and then they weigh down as you walk you can feel them some of them jingle some of them are just made for you to exercise and tighten your vagina so that they're not just falling out because you're having to keep like constant pressure but a lot of people actually just enjoy how they feel inside of them um there are other weighted toys there are kind of weighted butt plugs or like the heavy metal butt plugs that you can also wear during the day in um, somatic sex education we research that sometimes um, wearing a butt plug for an extended period of time during the day can actually really help tighten pelvic muscles and keep your core engaged and for a lot of people that are dealing with like uterine prolapse this could be a really valuable form of therapy so remember just because these are sex toys and we call them toys doesn't mean that they can't provide a really valuable uh, like medical use of course uh there is no interest in the medical community to work hard to make sex toys um good therapies for people but that's why somatic sex educators sex educators sex therapists Um, work hard to bring you this information. Another category would be something like a sleeve, which is, um, yes, an electrical stroker, an electric stroker like the ones that I was talking about in the pumps. Uh, But they also have sleeves that you just slide on that um, a person with a penis, for example, would slide on that provide more girth. There are some that provide more length. This is a fantastic option for people who would like to be desensitized a little bit. We sometimes suggest using some type of desensitizing lube. The problem is that if you're not using a condom or if your condom isn't wrapped all the way to the top and slides down a little bit, you could actually put that kind of lidocaine inside of the person you are penetrating if you are penetrating somebody. 
And if you're not, if you're just like rubbing your bodies together, that actually desensitizes the other person too. Um, these slaves could be a really valuable use because you could actually slide it on and then have less sensation. Less sensation though, not no sensation. Some of the sleeves that I have seen have grooves on the inside to actually give you even more sensation. Um, you could also put the sleeve on to kind of make a makeshift um, foreskin that slides forward and back, which is considered super, super, super pleasurable. So with our culture of having so many circumcised men, perhaps this is a super cool option, sleeves. Another category would be prosthetics. Um, we can talk about prosthetics in many different ways, but typically uh, people who are transitioning and would prefer to have um, genitalia that they can identify with their new body, they can use this. Um, also, it's super fun to just play with. There's no reason that we can't all enjoy prosthetic penises and vulvas simply because it's amazing. Um, and because we want to support the companies that are creating these products. Also, harnesses, um, penetrative toys that would fit into harnesses, they're considered prosthetics as well, just prosthetics that are more um, for sexual use. Whereas there are prosthetics that are, for example, non-erect penises. There are prosthetics that are for the use of going to the bathroom. You literally put on this prosthetic penis and then as a person born with a vulva, you can pee, for example, standing up and actually pull out this prosthetic penis and pee through the penis onto a toilet, which I have never done, but let's face it, has to be, absolutely has to be on my um, bucket list. That has to be a thing that happens one day. Um, next category, penetrative toys. And we're talking about all kinds of penetrative toys. And this is probably what you've come to think of as um, a dildo, for example. But penetrative toys can be all kinds of things. They can be urethral toys, um, such as sounders. I don't know if you've listened to my sounders podcast, but you should if you have never heard of people inserting things into their urethra because it's really juicy and interesting. Um, anal penetration toys, so definitely butt plugs, um, things like anal beads. Remember, anything inserted anally must have a flared end because your anus is like a vacuum and will not return anything you put in there like you probably thought it would. Um, and of course, vaginal penetrative toys. Um, definitely beware of sharing penetrative toys from one section to the other, but we will talk more about the bewares in the how to do things safely. Um, G-spot stimulators, A-spot stimulators, prostate massagers, all of these things that are meant to go inside of your body will put under penetrative. Um, we also have the category of ring toys, which is a really small category, but there are a few different kinds of cock rings, for example, that you can put on. You can also use like a clitoral ring, a, a small one that would be able to like cut off circulation just to the clitoris, but this would only work if you have like a protruding clitoris. People that use cock rings typically would use a cock ring to kind of hold some of the blood flow there. Some people find that a cock ring keeps them harder longer. Some people find that a cock ring placed very far back behind the testicles can actually extend the amount of penis that is outside of your body. Your penis 
has a lot of tissue inside of your body and extends into your body. And they find that rings actually pull out some of that tissue and give you maybe an extra inch or so, which can be super fun. Um, Another category we can talk about are vibrators. As opposed to dildos, uh, a vibrator would be a penetrative toy or non-penetrative toy that has a motor function and actually is able to vibrate. Um, You can look for something like a rabbit vibrator with dual motors, some internal and some external. Some vibrators are internal and meant to be inserted. Some are not. And inside of vibrators, we of course have like rechargeable vibrators and the kind that are battery powered. If you're still on battery powered vibrators, I wholeheartedly suggest that you spend your time doing some great research, looking at some of these brands that I'm going to recommend and finding yourself a solid long-term toy that will last you five or six years that will save you money on batteries and really enjoy all of this quarantine extra time you have. And by the way, boost your immune system also. Another category I want to discuss is hands-free. There are um, increasing number of toys that you can insert and leave alone. These include prostate massagers. These include um, kind of Benoit balls, things that you can leave in that are completely hands-free. And they also include clitoral vibrators that fit inside of labia if you have a vulva and they can kind of hold themselves in place and vibrate as you go about doing other things that you might find interesting to do while being stimulated. So there is a whole world of hands-free vibrators that in fact make toys super accessible, especially for people with different abilities that are not able to use their hands to hold a vibrator while doing other things or to hold a vibrator at all because some people don't even have hands. Some people can't grab things or hold things with their hands. So having something that can be inserted and left would be fantastic. In fact, picture this future utopian world. A person with disabilities has a caretaker who places this hands-free vibrator inside of their labia, hands them a remote, and they're able to somehow make this remote work for themselves without having to actually hold it and are able to fully masturbate by themselves with a hands-free device. I mean, amazing. We should all be wanting to fund that wholeheartedly. And of course, the kind of new category for sex tech would be dolls and robots. The myth is that sex dolls were initiated by the Nazis, um, in fact, by Hitler himself, who decided that there was um, a lot of, should we say, tension by soldiers who didn't have a way to um, get off because of their ideas of improper breeding. So they created blonde, blue-eyed, blow-up dolls and decided that this is the appropriate way for them to take care of themselves. But this has, in fact, been researched and is not true, but is a cool story. And we can continue saying it if we want, as long as we know that it is actually just a story. And lastly, I guess we can talk about the category of medical toys. We're talking toys like trainers and dilators. A lot of people with vulvas and with issues in their anus that cause collapses need to be dilated. They absolutely must have daily, weekly, or monthly dilation 
into their vaginas and anuses so that they can continue to use them appropriately. So yeah, these are definitely sex toys and they can be used in medical play, but they serve a very important medical purpose. So toys are made out of many different materials. Uh, good toys will be made out of 100% silicone, not silicone blends, uh, hard plastic, not my favorite, uh, stainless steel, aluminum, and brake-resistant glass. The metals and the glass are really great if you happen to like temperature play, and they are amazingly non-porous, so the risk of them harboring any bacteria is not very high. Cheaper toys, though, like silicone blends, jelly rubber, PVC, vinyl, TRP, TPE, elastomer, or other rubbery plastics are super fucking terrible. In fact, once you start buying sex toys, you can easily tell the difference between a good 100% silicone toy and some kind of weird silicone blend or weird jelly rubber thing that you now have to take care of and lube up and dry, dry, dry. Um, where can you find sex toys? Well, you can find sex toys in any sex shop. If you are a beginner, I recommend that you go to a good sex shop with a good knowledgeable sex owner. In Houston, we have Darling Way Boutique owned by Beth Liebling, and she can sit and actually talk to you about what you need. But other ways to go about it are to literally get on Amazon, get on Adam and Eve, get on cindys.com, get on any of the sex store sites and start looking for more expensive to cheaper toys. Start with the more expensive ones and then look your way down because those are typically going to be the better quality ones. More expensive toys are typically going to have more than one motor, which you don't need unless that's what you're into. But as you price your way down from there, you're able to kind of see the differences and you'll get to a point where you can really tell the difference in the texture and feel of a low quality toy versus a high quality toy. Um, how you can prepare, know your lube. Um, water-based lube is always safe for all kinds of toys, even the really fucking terrible quality ones. Uh, but just know that it can get tacky, it can get sticky, it can get um, like little beads. So when you're having sex with it, when you're using it, even if you're alone, you can end up finding these little pieces of skin and you think, what is this? It's actually just the lube that's kind of rolled up. So you'll need a lot of it. And the good thing is it's easy to clean up and you won't be staining anything with it. And all of your toys are safe to use with water-based lube. They also have oil-based lubes that feel delicious and fantastic, but they're super hard to clean. They're super hard to clean off your toys and they're really hard to clean off of your sheets. So beware of oil-based lubes. Oil-based lubes are a great solution if you are trying to get in a pool and play in water. They're also um, a good solution for people who are using just body parts to play with, but um, yeah, use something that you don't mind getting stained because oil does not come out easily. And if you do have oil stains, uh, use a good degreasing dish soap and some baking soda. This I know from experience, although not from oil-based lube, but you know, give it a shot. Silicone-based lube is kind of fantastic as a lube itself. I think it is the best masturbation lube that is out there. It is 
considerably more expensive, but you will need very, very, very little of it. It is um, not okay to use with most silicone toys, which is the material that I tend to prefer. Um, but it is okay with you to use with stainless steel, hard plastics, breakers, resistant glass, aluminum. So you really can use this for a lot of things and it's not super messy. The good thing about silicone lube is that it really lasts for so long, especially if you're engaging in something like anal play and you want something that you don't have to keep putting on. Silicone lube is definitely your best bet. You should know that um, STDs and STIs do live on toys and that if you're switching toys from one person to another, you may want to use a condom. Use mild soap to take care of them. You can um, actually buy sex toy cleaning solutions, but know that some people kind of find those irritating. So I tend to think that the soap that I'm using for my body is the soap that I should use for my toys. Beware of toys that have batteries inside of them because the parts that contain the batteries absolutely cannot get wet. So another reason to not love battery-powered toys. But I know, I know, some of us just have to start somewhere. Be careful how you're cleaning them. Be careful that they're not getting wet on the inside. Um, if you have toys that are the kind of cheaper material, know that they have to be dried completely or they will start to decay. If you subscribe to my Patreon and you have seen any of my sex toy tour videos, you know that some of them have become destroyed because they have some moisture. We live in Houston and sadly there is moisture in the air and it's very difficult to take care of some of these toys. But I know you're going to do much better than I am. Some of these toys, a great way to store them long term is to coat them in cornstarch so that they can be completely dry. And of course, make sure you're cleaning the cornstarch completely off because any kind of insertable toy that has cornstarch can cause a horrific yeast infection. So let's make sure we're not doing that. Also, remember um, not to put any toys that are inserted anally into any other orifices oral, vaginal, or urethral, and similarly for different holes and different people. If you are new to sex toys, just know that you don't have to be scared. They are not a commitment to do anything, and in fact, they are not desensitizing as a lot of people may have heard in the past. Some brands that you may want to look out for are the brand Dame, D-A-M-E, which was created by two female founders, one being a sexologist. The brand Crave has very kind of industrial looks to them, very sophisticated. And of course, the Lilo brand, L-E-L-O, which has been a classic with really fucking beautiful looking sex toys that don't look like sex toys at all that you could actually just leave out on the counter to make people very uncomfortable someday haha <laughs> but these are kind of things you want to look for if you find that there is some uncomfortableness talking to your partner about including toys in your sex play buy them some as a gift or better yet find some type of romantic subscription box that comes as a surprise and that way you are not actually responsible for introducing a sex toy and you can leave it in the hands of the professionals if you are interested in this kind of service my friend beth at darling way is offering this during covid which i think is super fun and i'll probably subscribe to myself and can definitely take kind of the guesswork out of which toy to start with and how to do it in a way that is kind to you and your relationship. Okay, wow, that was a long one, but we are at the end. Thank you for sticking it out with me. 
So to recap, today we talked about toy play, different kinds of toys, what they are, different classifications, a little bit of history about toys, different kinds available for you, where to find them, what brands to look for, how to use them, how to take care of them, and how to go about making playtime safe and joyful for you and your partners. I hope you enjoyed the podcast and I'll check you out next time. This has been another podcast of Haven Space. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Haven Space by Sarah and on Facebook at facebook.com slash Haven Space by Sarah. If you enjoyed this talk, consider becoming a patron and helping fund more talks like this in the future.